Welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, a podcast where we talk about faith and ministry here in Portland, Oregon. I'm David Libby. And I am Josh Hawk. And we haven't recorded one of these in a long time, and I actually had to think about what what the intro was. <laughs> we, we dropped a couple recently, but I think we recorded those like two months ago, three months ago. Yeah. It's been a long time since we've recorded one of these, but uh, we're so glad to be here and glad to be back. And today we've got uh, one of my favorite people here in North Portland, someone I met uh, very early on in my time here, uh, a guy named Kelly Coho, the pastor at uh, Grace Christian Fellowship. Thanks for being here, Kelly. That's good to be here with you guys. So Kelly and I are related, just a fun fact. Oh, that's um, true. <laughs> we are now. <laughs> how do you, uh, like how, so his daughter is married to my brother, so we're like, Father-in-law, in-law, <laughs> once removed. You're my stepson-in-law. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, Kelly's been he's been around the area for quite a while, the community for quite a while. He's been in ministry for um, a, a long, long time. Thirty-seven years. So longer mm. than we've been alive, David. Um, you, do you love when people say things like that? <laughs> uh, you know, it's the way it is. I, I'm, I'm actually fairly comfortable growing older. Yeah, so. you're, de- he's yeah. Defi- you're definitely not old. Either, yeah. You know? oh, but, yeah. Um, I made a comment with my, my dad this last week. Um, he's teaching a Sunday school class, and I walked in on Sunday morning, and he was sitting in a, um, oh, a rocking chair teaching the Sunday school class in a rocking chair of like, Wow, just the the image of it. I don't know. It, the rocking chair, I think, added a bunch of wisdom just to the content. But I'll have to try that. I'll yeah, pull that up on a Sunday morning. Teach it's, from the rocking chair. It's brilliant. Like you just <laughs> sitting in a rocking chair, you just earns you more respect yeah. or something, yeah. you know. But um, so Kelly, tell us a little bit, kind of about your life. Thirty-seven years. Um, how did you find yourself initially in ministry? Um, and what's kind of that 30,000 foot level journey been like over the last 37 years? Yeah, I think I can do that uh, fairly quickly. I, uh, well, the interesting thing is, is that my first call to ministry actually came when I was baptized as a baby, uh, which most people would not think that, but I was in a liturgical context and, uh, the priest who actually baptized me said to my mom, that this baby was going to grow up and be a priest in that context, you know. So that's kind of interesting. Um, And then when I was 12 years old, and I would say I was still not, I really had no concept of salvation or what it really, uh, not that I fully have it now, but, but, you know, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, But at 12 years old, I was actually reading the Bible and had a very distinct sense that when I grew up, I was going to be, again, a priest. That's the only context I mm. knew at the time. So then I had a very rough, soon after that, a very difficult teenage years of just being stupid, primarily, and doing a lot of dumb things. And when I came back to Jesus, um, which, again, those are all long stories in and of themselves, um, it was such a dramatic impact and such a the sense of forgiveness and have how good the good news was, certainly for me, uh, that almost from day one, uh, without even remembering or knowing those previous things I just shared, I said, God, if you did this for me, if you could change my life the way I feel changed now, 
I, I give my the rest of my life to sharing that message with other people. And uh, so, um, so I was in a local church context for only about six months or so, and then went into Youth with a Mission, or some people know it as YWAM. And, uh, and that was crazy, exciting, powerful, uh, very grateful for those foundations, a strong emphasis on an intimate personal relationship with God mm-hmm. is how you can then speak out and share that good news with others. Their mission is to communicate the gospel all over the world. Um, so they're actually, if not the largest, one of the largest missions agencies uh, and also one of God's best-kept secrets, I think, uh, out there. Um, so I won't go into that, but I spent uh, 17 years in Youth with a Mission, wow. mm-hmm. uh, traveled all over the world, did a lot of things. Again, try to keep the story short. But uh, the last seven, uh, the last 10 years of that, I spent here in Portland, uh, in north northeast okay. Portland, and we were primarily working with kids at risk or involved in gangs. And so uh, it was a very challenging ministry, but one that was fruitful. And there's even, I guess, the biggest claim to fame for me is there's a pastor here in North Portland that came to Jesus as a result of the mm-hmm. ministry that we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, and, there were, and there were others who were definitely experienced you know, great work in their lives. And then um, came over here, so the last 20 years, again, to try to fly over 30,000. I've been here in uh, North Portland at the same church uh, called Grace Christian Fellowship, uh, just down the street from where we're doing this podcast. And and that's been uh, an exciting, challenging, joyful, heartbreaking Mm -hmm. experience. (laughs) So what what made that? Pause there for a minute. What made that shift, kind of, for you? What, where, how did you? What, what doors kind of closed with YWAM and opened with the church, or how? Because that's somewhat of a significant kind of change. Even though the the demographic and ministry may have looked similar, you're definitely jumping organizations somewhat significantly. Yeah. Organizationally, it was a pretty big shift. It was actually a bit of a difficult shift for my wife, actually, mm. uh, for Sarah. Um, and because um, we kind of stepped out of a very intense, intentional, mm. uh, everyone involved in the organization is fully on mission and committed uh, to, to, you know, sharing the gospel with as many people as possible. And... Uh, so yeah, it was a big shift, and but what kind of what I began to realize was that I was a, I was an, an individual with a heart for long term community involvement mm. in a short term missions organization. Mm-hmm. So um, and even though they have a lot of long term ministry, even those long term ministries tend to facilitate shorter term mission opportunities yeah, for people. Yeah. So. So there was a little, you know, it was not a, it wasn't a bad transition, but it really became clear to me through a series of, of things that, um, that our time in Youth with a Mission was coming to an end. Um, and then getting over here, I didn't really know what that meant, uh, but I always say God kind of tricked me um, because I thought I was coming over here just to help. 
another guy lead worship. Uh, Sarah and I were going to come over and just help help him lead worship, and um, we did that, and we're enjoying that. The church was very small, a uh, handful of people, and um, and so we. Uh, <laughs> and then the next thing I know, he resigned, and uh, and. I think that at the time, I, when we went over there, I hardly even knew uh, what our particular, the denomination that we're a part of. I really had no idea even who they were, what they stood oh. for, or anything. And uh, so I was pretty new to that whole thing. I was, and, but anyway, learned to get a pleasant surprise. It's, anyhow, I can talk too long here. So uh, I think they just said, we, we don't know what else to do with this church, so we'll just let this guy take it over. And it's 20 years later, here I am. Wow. Wow. So you said you've got a heart for long-term yeah, uh, yeah. ministry. What what kinds of benefits? You, you spoke to one about um, helping out with gang-oriented youth and one uh, finding his way into ministry. Do you, what, what kind of benefits do you see from, uh, from sticking it out long-term? Hmm. Other than a lot of pain and suffering? <laughs> we'll we'll get to those. I got. <laughs> um, no, I shouldn't. Uh, it's it's been good, but anyway, um, I think the thing that I was sorry that I was struggling with was, um, you know, we we in short term missions, it's it's like the point of an arrow, and you you you're extremely focused, and you go in, and you can do a lot of things in a short amount of time. But if there's no one that's there when you leave, then I, f I found, in fact, I stopped doing short-term missions anywhere that didn't have a strong long-term presence already so that we could come in. Yeah, we'd be that boom baby kind of thing and stir things up, but I wanted to make sure that there was people there to properly harvest and care for the fruit that had occurred. So I'd say long-term then, so realizing that I had such a heart for that, the benefits of a long-term commitment, it, just for example, just one example, I just got contacted again by a now much older, you know, an older gentleman who was one of the kids that we worked with, mm. you know, mm -hmm. as uh, when we were doing the gang ministry here. Well, if I wasn't still here, yeah, he would not really know how to contact right. me and. I've had intermittent contact with this particular individual over the years, and so there's just something to um, to being there. It's just something powerful about talking to the granddaughter of the gentleman who I'm going to do a memorial service for mm -hmm. in just a week from now, and yet, and knowing now three generations right. of that family. And just the, um, and, and not all of them even know Jesus, and I don't know if they ever will as much as I want them to, because uh, that's obviously very important to me, but they, I get the privilege and the honor of being a pastor to that family mm -hmm. for now generations, and uh, that's very powerful to me, David. I, I just, uh, there's something about that that... Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say it just because there's others of us here doing the same thing, but I think this world needs some stability sometimes. 
Yeah. You know, and so many things come and go and things change and that's not always bad, but uh, anyway. So I think I answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. I remember hearing a, a pastor of mine who'd been at his church for 15 years and he said, it's only this year that um, some people in our community are giving me any kind of trust because I've been a presence for 15 years. It's, it, it had been such a long like effort from him um, with probably a lot of just throwing in the towel, but he said it, it was around 15 years where he realized we're starting to see that, that yeah. kind of trust that's happening. I, I find that fascinating uh, considering most of the pastors that I've had had like a six to 10 year run maybe. Uh-huh. Um, so, Kelly, you said something recently in, in a meeting we were in that um, a, a very small percentage of people in ministry stick it out to the end. Uh, I've, was it was it 20%? I think that's the, yeah, and I'd read that, and now I should have brushed up on uh, that before I came in here. It's um, And and so you have 37 years in counting um, of ministry. How? How have you... <laughs> <laughs> What what's what's been the secret? You know, like, what has allowed you to be of that 20%? Um, You know, um, grace. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I would say, um, so I just need to make it clear if it's not already that um, I have probably left the ministry in my heart. Hmm. At least a hundred times, if not Mm. more. Um, where it's just like, sometimes just the feeling of, I didn't sign up for this, you know, this isn't, anyway, I could go on and on in that direction. But I think that, um, I think there's a few things that, that I've learned to turn to, uh, that have helped me. The first thing I would say is, um, is it may be as silly as it sounds to some, I just go back to that night, which in, for me, in my particular story, is a very clear moment mm. when God changed my life. Mm. And I go back to that moment for a variety of reasons and, and uh, on a pretty regular basis. And then I also just go back, and, and in doing that, it reminds me of the call. Mm-hmm. It just reminds me that 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 Jesus is the one, God is the one who called me to this to this life. This is what He has asked me to do. And there's a lot of things I could do, and sometimes still think I'd like to do, but it, it's that call. So, so that's part of it. Um, but then there's there are some rhythms and things in my life that are critical to me. So, so I'm very committed. I'm very committed unapologetically to Jesus and the gospel. Mm-hmm. I'm very committed to 
ministry and to working hard in the ministry. But ministry is not my God. So uh, I, I, don't, I don't serve the ministry. So my service is rendered primarily and really solely to God. And then I do ministry in response to this relationship that I have with God. So in that, I have to continue to practice and keep, we call them spiritual disciplines in my particular context, but spiritual practices might be a better term, that, if, that are just absolutely life-sustaining to me. And they're just basic things that we all know. But one of them, which is interesting, and I'll lead with this because recently it's been so valuable to me, is just the discipline of prayer. Mm-hmm. Of just, Not prayer like, I just got to work hard kind of prayer, but just really quite desperate prayer. Prayer of just crying out about mm-hmm. my need for God and there's no way I can keep going without you, you know. I mean, seriously. And so, but in those moments, the reason I'm sharing this is that just 10 days ago, and I was just a week ago, sorry, a week, eight days ago, and I was with my wife, and three days a week we go into the church early in the morning to mm-hmm. pray. Well, it's not that early, eight o'clock, but. We go in at 8 o'clock to pray. It sounds like I'm there at 4. So that's not the case at all. We go into the church, and we just pray together. And in that place, on that particular day, I was, I was really struggling. And I was feeling very cynical and discouraged. And, um, and I, won't, I, I won't take the time to go into it, but... In, in that moment, and I don't know any other way to explain it. It may not make sense to some who are listening, but God just spoke to my heart mm-hmm. and just gifted me with fresh faith. Mm-hmm. Like just altered my whole thing that I just was had kind of fallen into and just encouraged me, kind of like a good parent just picked mm-hmm. me up and said, you know, you can, you know, you got this, you know, and you can trust me to meet you. Mm. So, so to get back to the core of your question, rhythms are really important for me. Boundaries are important. You mentioned before we talked, I, I do take a every Friday to the best of my ability. Uh, I go out, Sarah and I usually, and we just go for a long walk somewhere, hike, or even sometimes we do a little overnight backpacking trip and. I just have to have those moments where I am at rest, where I am not being driven just to do stuff. So I, I could talk a lot more about that, but I'll stop. And if you guys want to clarify anything, you can. But I would say rhythm and boundaries, and the, and I would go back to ministry is not my God. Yeah, that's, that's really good. I was listening to um, a, our, I think our, our latest episode that we did on Sabbath, um, and I came out like pretty kind of strongly against the idea of Sabbath initially, like you have to listen to the whole episode to kind of get the context. Um, but I really appreciate, appreciate that Kelly, what you're saying is that like for you, the Sabbath is not, it's not so that you can accomplish the mission of ministry. The Sabbath is so that you can get closer to, to Christ right. and to God, mm-hmm. like, and that becomes, 
that should be our, our primary kind of focus and call. Um, and that's what ultimately gives us energy, not taking time away, you know, um, but our mission or our primary objective becomes just to, just to, to know Christ. Hmm. I know David, you're going to ask something, but if I could just reflect back a little bit more, like, I think that, um, something that's become clear to me over the years, and this came, this came out even very much so this morning as I, in a time with, of prayer with Sarah, was just um, ministry. There's a lot of things in life that are hard, so I don't want to say ministry is any harder than something else, but emotionally mm-hmm. and even spiritually, like the need is so great, and people are hurting and broken at levels that mm-hmm. are so beyond my capacity to really help them, that if I am doing this just because I've read a few books and gone to seminary, yeah. there's you cannot sustain that. I, I, maybe somebody else can. I cannot sustain it. And I know that for a fact because I've quit 100 times in my heart, yeah. if not 500 times. Right. So it, it's just... That's why I emphasize what I would emphasize there. Yeah. There's just no way without... And I know it's using kind of Christianese terms, but without the grace of God, yeah. I could not, I can't do it. I just can't do it. It's too much. It's too overwhelming. And I've been there. I, yeah. I hit the wall at one point in my life. But anyway, that's another story. Yeah, well, tell us about that a little bit. Because I feel like I, I imagine that these rhythms of life, these rhythms of prayer and rest, you you probably didn't start that like early on in the days of YWAM in in the same way that you are now, I imagine, right? Am I am I wrong? Well, I that? did them, but I don't think I realize it, it they're done differently. I don't even know how to explain hmm. that. I did them because I knew they were the right thing to do early in my yeah, ministry. Yeah. I did More them. obedience rather than... Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was obedience, and it's kind of how I was trained. But when I hit the wall, uh, ever from that point on, my, even just my very, my relationship with God took on a whole different, it's hard to explain it, kind of, but it's just a greater sense of really... I'm not just saying I need God. Yeah. I need God. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, yeah. and I don't think I was disingenuous before. Right. I just really just was kind of doing fine. I'm, yeah. you know, I mean, I love, I love the Lord and I wanted to serve God and I was doing a lot of stuff. And, you know, I think, I think in a sense it was all good, but boy, I just looked, I just realized how much. It was still just me doing it. I still struggle with that, I yep. think, you know, to be honest with you. But anyway, so so I guess kind of in answering your question, mm-hmm. the practices were there, but they're just different now. I, it's hard to even explain that. It's, sure. Excuse me. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. We talk a lot about uh, burnout and, and also just, I don't know, hitting walls or... Um, or having a hard time with 
balance or boundaries or even um, our own faith in the middle of like the the deep hurts of the world mm-hmm. and um and and i guess prayer practices would take on a different sort of uh meaning a different sort of space in your life if um if you're doing them just because you're supposed to do them or if you're doing them because you realize i i don't have the ability and the capacity to handle what's being given to me. And prayer along with, I would say, silence, which is hard for me. I'm an extrovert, but silence (laughs) has been a gift that Mm. God has led me into just being still. But prayer to me, almost at its core, um, when you, outside of, there's kind of the relational aspect, but when it comes to our specific relationship with God, the very fact that you begin to pray, that's why, that's why I love praying on my knees. I don't always, I don't think you have to pray on your knees, mm-hmm. but by any stretch of the matter, I walk as much as I'd go on my knees. But there's a, the very fact that you utter a prayer to God is immediately an admission that I need something, someone yeah. beyond myself. And it's very powerful for, you know, it's just, uh, it's a powerful mm-hmm. gift, really. <laughs> Looking right now at um, at the paintings on my wall in our studio, aka my office, um, uh, the the ten stops of the spiritual transformation, uh, the journey of the spiritual transformation, and I've alluded to them. I think we've talked about them earlier on in in, in the podcasts, um, but. The, the the journey through that first being ignorance ignorance of sin the second being um, an indifference there's an awareness but indifference of a problem the third is a concern fourth is forgiveness fifth is religious activity then we get to sixth which is discontent seven brokenness eight surrender and submission nine profound intimacy with God and ten uh, profound love of humanity and others and it's that that brokenness and that surrender, I, I find myself, they, they look very different. Um, oh, we can, we can theoretically know them and acknowledge them. And we like, we can read scripture. We can have theologies on surrender, but it's, it's in those moments of burnout completely, you know, like you hit a wall where you're broken. You're like, I, man, I, I'm done. I can't do this. And sometimes they're, they're more than others. This last year, I had a few of those real significant broken points of just realizing I am not as good as I thought I was. I'm not as capable as I thought I was able to. Um, but they, those, they force us into a surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's when you, you, you come to that point where like, God, I, I physically cannot put my foot in front of my other foot and go a step further. Like I can't, I, I have to have you. And then it's in those moments that supernaturally God fills us. He reminds us of our call. Um, and, and allows us to, to go on. It's not my experience at least has not been like, Oh, 
a one and done. It's not like I'm completely surrendered, you know, and even though there's some of that, you, you come back to that, mm-hmm. that moment and there are moments in there, but God still kind of oh, brings, brings you back to that. Something in, in, I think in, in life, but, um, in ministry specifically, there's the brokenness is significant because I think apart from brokenness, we never actually really need God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a, a pastor ask me, well, John, John Howell that we had on um, down in Medford, one of the things he asked me when I was sharing stories, he goes, so where have you been broken? Where has God broken you? Um, because that becomes really the starting point um, in that. And so that brokenness becomes really significant. I, let's go back a little bit maybe to that idea of the arrow, the um, ministry being kind of very focused in short term versus the, the long term. I, I, wonder, I wonder if it's easier to avoid some of those, broken, those, those brokenness times. Um, if you're an arrow, if you're going in for a short term and if it doesn't work, then you come out and to use Jesus words, shake off the dust off of your feet and continue on, you know, and go to the next one. Like you become so missionally focused and, and very specific and like, boom, Oh, that didn't work. Let's try something else. And, but when you, when you settle down, when you nestle into a, a, a small church in a, in a community and in, in a more urban setting, um, the, if, if it doesn't work, you're, you're still stuck there. Like you, you're still there. Um, and if you choose to stay there, if you, yeah. And some people, some people don't, I think there's, Oh, there's some there. I think it's that's that supernatural call. There's that brokenness. Like, am I able to go on anymore? Um, and that's when God has to intercede. So, um, I'd, I'd like us to talk a little bit about uh, maybe like where you where you see the church headed in the future. You've you've had a a lot of ministry going forward, and so you've seen maybe some trajectories of the church. You you can talk about your own church or or the church in Portland or um, all over the world, but um, as as the church continues to uh, follow um, the spirits leading, like what what do you see as some of the possibilities of the church in the future, or some of the struggles of the church going forward? Hmm. Well, that's a huge question because I think it could be answered differently in different contexts. Um, you know, uh, worldwide. Latin America, Asia, Africa in particular, the church is just exploding. Mm-hmm. I mean, in our context, you know, we, every time I, we meet with our leaders, you know, they talk about, you know, this last year we had a thousand new churches come in from in, in India that started you know, wow. and, uh, <laughs> and they're kind of your good old fashioned churchy churches, but in that con with that <laughs> cultural sure. context, you know, but they're just churches like 
we do here. Well, they're not like we do here because they have their own cultural flavors to them. But, but you know, it's, they gather together, they sing some songs, they take up an offering, they preach a message and have an altar call, and that's what they do. So, I, you know, I don't know what to say about the, the, the church in those places, um, except for that I think... I think the balance of power has already shifted, actually. We just don't recognize it. Yeah. Uh, that really our theologians and our worldwide leaders are probably residing more so in these other places. Yeah. Uh, I, that, that's in, a whole other topic. But no, anyway. in, in, in <laughs> seminary, uh, I went in from 2008 to 2012, and they were already saying, like, the the west europe and america we're worldwide the mission field like the missionaries are coming here right from latin america from uh south america from uh africa um asia like they're coming to us if you if you look globally what was in the 50s has shifted almost entirely yeah so, yeah. yeah i found that interesting so here in the united states i think we you know the church is obviously facing um some difficult and challenging issues. Um, Christendom, uh, which I don't have time to define what I mean by that, is long past us. Like where, where, where businesses and places were closed on Sunday so everybody could go to church. Where, you know, I'm not saying that America has ever been a Christian nation per se, but the general cultural influence yeah. gave a lot of ground and a lot of room to the expression of the Christian faith. And, you know, and a good percentage of the population went to church just because that's what you did on Sundays. Um, and, you know, so that, so those days are behind us completely. Um, so we're living, you know, um, and I, I think I'll at least attempt at trying to answer your question here. I'll give me just a minute to move towards it. So, like in our context, it's I find it interesting. We have, uh, and we've taken a bit of a, a hit in the last couple of years, but we have like 75, 80 people that are in church on a Sunday. A uh, small church by any standard. But if you went out into the community and you would find probably 400 people, and I think that's probably a conservative estimate, that would actually say that grace was their church. Hmm. Mm. Um, and which means that we've had some kind of impact on their life, mm -hmm. uh, but they have just a lot of other things to do. Sure. <laughs> and so church doesn't hold this Sunday morning gathering doesn't have the preeminent place. So I'm saying all that to say, I don't feel like Christianity in America is dead. I actually don't think the church is dead or mm. dying even. It looks mm. that way, but I don't, I don't agree with that, people that say the church is dying. I do think the church, which is a lot bigger than our brick-and-mortar buildings, is going to have to make some adaptations, and I would be quick to clarify method, methodology-wise. Right. Um, that's just a personal thing, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll put, you know, for me. We don't need to adapt to our culture, or I don't feel the need, let me just be, mm -hmm. I don't feel the need to adapt to uh, our culture 
in, in some of its views and ways. But methodology-wise, I think we need to find different expressions and different ways to be the church. And, and that's coming from a pastor who is still in a brick-and-mortar, literally, uh, sure. a brick-and-mortar building. Um, but even for me, I've been thinking, I wonder if there's something we could do differently you know, like I wouldn't throw out the Sunday mornings right now, but so sorry. If it seems like I'm talking in circles, you can get me on track. But no, let me just say this one stuff. thing. Let me just say this one thing. Yeah. Uh, what I'm finding, and I don't want to say that I, I'm tempted to say the younger generation, but it's not just the younger generation. Mm-hmm. People got a lot of other things they want to do on Sundays. They work hard, many of them, not everybody's a Monday through Friday, but they're working hard. And if Sunday's the day they have, church is not, even even Christian people, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just not what they mm-hmm. really, they want to go to the beach or they want to go do something else. They want to relax. Anyway, I, I just think we have to, I think the church is going to have to take a hard look, and this is probably the best I can do, mm-hmm. and say, okay, God, what are you, how can the church be the church in this culture and in this day. Um, because again, just quickly here, sorry. This, people need the church. We need the church. We really do. Yeah. We yeah. need to be together. We need to be in community. We, we need to be working it out. Iron sharpens iron. We grow socially. It's, it's anyway, I could just say so much more. Yeah. So, but how the church looks, yeah. I think needs to, we got to figure that out. So, yeah, yeah, you hit it there. We need the church. I mean, we, we need God, like we, we need Jesus Christ, but I don't, this is where, this is my, oh, my thoughts on, on big church, West versus East and South America, um, the Western world, we no longer quote unquote need God. And we don't need the church because we've become self-sufficient. Right. And, and that has become, I, I think, the biggest crutch, the biggest hindrance, the biggest problem that will probably, in the next century or two, will destroy Western civilization. Um, it, it, you know, you're um, generous with that outlook. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> you're far more optimistic than I am. <laughs> but the, the reality is that, like, that we we need we we need the church. We need each other. Yeah. Um, but we don't we don't realize that how much we need that. Mm-hmm. We haven't had you know those those moments, those break broken moments. You know mm-hmm. that that you shared about early in in your life. Um, and and so I don't know, man. I don't know. Apart from a, a big act of God, you know, how else to to bring that about? Mm-hmm. Um, other than probably for us, it's more faithfulness, obedience, um, to continue to to be there, um, and to you know to give the the ministry of presence. Um, but until we realize. That we really, we really, really need something bigger than ourselves. Yeah, you know, and you touched on something just quickly there. Um, you just talked about faithfulness, um, 
very early on in my, my life. Probably I'd only been a Christian for maybe three years. And God did spoke to my heart. It's, um, I should have the reference, but it just, it's a psalm. And it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Mm. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Mm. And another thing that I have felt that God had just spoke to me and one time, just again in prayer, I was just crying out to God and, and, uh, cause I was expressing dissatisfaction. Like I want to see a great work, you know? Yeah. I want to experience like real revival that's from you, God, you know, I want to experience that. And, uh, and again, I, I hope I don't sound too weird to whoever's listening, but I get the sense that God's saying something right mm -hmm. and for me it was you're a bridge mm -hmm. and I said and I actually started crying and said I don't want to be a bridge mm -hmm. because the sense was that that right now we're in this kind of in-between time mm -hmm. that there's I came to 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 Christ kind of at the tail end of the Jesus, people, charismatic, that whole, there was a kind of a renewal that went on. And then that's kind of faded. Mm -hmm. And right now, for most of us, we're mm -hmm. just dwelling in the land and cultivating faithfulness. I mean, mm -hmm. it's hard. And, um, and maybe I, I hope that for you guys and those younger than me, you know, uh, but I did not want to hear that from God. Mm -hmm. God just said, you know, you've, I've called you to be faithful and, and my heart is mm -hmm. to just live to hear the words, mm -hmm. well done, good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. You know, you took yeah. a church, a small church, and you stuck with it and even though you dreamed and would love to have seen more happen. I, I, I don't know. I'm getting off a little emotional now, but it yeah. just be faithful. I, I think of, I, I think of Moses and, and, you know, the, my ministry or the ministry that God has kind of yeah, given me and that of my dad, I've often described us as Joshua and Moses. Um, but sometimes I definitely feel like Moses still of like, I ain't in the promised land yet. Mm -hmm. And, and Moses, Moses to have that conversation with God mm -hmm. where God says, uh, you, you don't get to go. Get to go <laughs> um, That's, those are hard words to hear. And then, mm -hmm. and then to have to go lead, lead the people yeah. still for mm -hmm. decades. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but to be faithful and, you know, to lead them well, in that I've been thinking a lot about these things um, people people need someone often to help them follow what God's doing because it can be scary and different and and awkward and uncomfortable um, we're we're doing something as a church that's uh, you know, been, been that for some folks. And so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of learning that lesson of what it's like to be a bridge, but, um, boy, the people, we all need, uh, bridges to, to help us into, into the new things that God is doing. And, um, yeah. and so I'm so grateful for you and the, um, the way you've been faithful in doing that, Kelly. And, um, and man, it's, I mean, 
God's God's going to be unleashing something big, and um, mm. and I'm just so I'm just so grateful that we have uh, faithful people like you that are that are leading us into that. So, mm. well, yeah. thank you. I mean, I it's a it's a it's a great, amazing, awesome calling, and um, it'll. I mean, whether whether we see it or not, um, you know, one day we'll ultimately see what 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 God was doing overall in it. I I feel like it's gonna blow us away. <laughs> Amen. So, um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, for sharing with us. I, I think this has been uh, very very helpful and um, and just a very, very cool conversation about um, ministry and, and faithfulness in this area. Um, so thank you so much for coming on, Kelly. Yeah, thanks for for having me on. Yeah. yeah. If people want to find you, your Twitter handle. Um. <laughs> oh, that's, no. that's harsh to ask an old guy about his Twitter handle. <laughs> you can find him in his rocking chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You uh, can find me on the Pacific Crest Trail. Oh, yeah. uh, now you can, you they can, that they is can, true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, if they want to, uh, sorry, this is email, but p k and then coho c o h o e at gmail dot com is probably. I'd give my phone number out to yeah. you, but I don't, Grace, you don't need my daughter that. has a Twitter handle. <laughs> it's true, and and Grace Christian Fellowship is on online at. Um, on Facebook and Instagram, so you can check them yeah. out as well. Yeah. Um, and and actually, yeah, your uh, your daughter's on all those who has been on the podcast with us, Larissa yeah. Hawk. So uh, she she works alongside Kelly at Grace Christian Fellowship now. Uh, well, thank you so much for listening for the Unsuccess Podcast. I'm David, and I'm Josh, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>